0: Hello, and welcome to Surveillance Exploring the Utiliverse podcast. I'm Young Ngo, your host and CTO at Surveillance. The Utiliverse is our unique term for the ongoing evolution of the electrical utility industry. A podcast will explore the industry transformative landscape, from grid modernization, distribution automation, and renewable energy, to critical conversations on climate change and decarbonization. This discussion will include subject matter experts who offer diverse perspectives on what drives our industry forward. Now, let's explore the Utiliverse together. Hello, Robert, and welcome to episode number two of Surveillance Exploring the Utiliverse podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Young, and uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Great. I am absolutely thrilled to have you join us today, uh, especially to talk about the uh, Sault Marie PUC project. And, and I believe uh, having certainly followed this project in some way from the beginning, uh, is not just any project. Uh, uh, the, the conversation is about, it's the first of its kind in Canada, I believe is a real game changer in the world of smart grid system. Um, I, I believe that uh, what even make this more special uh, is the impact it's set to have. I think not just on PUC and a vendor like us who support uh, PUC journey across the entire Ontario electricity sector and the future of the smart grid investment in Canada. Uh, for me, looking back, it's been quite a journey. I, I think uh, when I track back to some of the corresponding when beginning of the idea, it's been five years plus. Uh, starting from when we first got involved, supporting PUC through the planning process, the strategic conversation, uh, the implementation over the last couple of years, and now here we are, very critical point of everything is coming to life, is going live, uh, and begin able to certainly realize some of the vision of the project. So there's lots of cover today, things to cover today. Uh, the opportunities, the challenges, the technical innovation that PUC has achieved uh, and a significant impact this project is expected to have. So so let's jump right in, okay? And, and let's start peeling back the layers of uh, what I would say this fascinating journey. So um, one of the things that I've noticed uh, in the PUC introduction is is a group of companies. Uh, there is some uniqueness about in terms of its reach and business coverage. Uh, please take some time to to uh, kind of share with us that structure and how that has an impact on this project. That that'd be great for the audience to to have some context, uh, Robert.
1: Sounds good, yeah. So we um, we at PUC. I- I think we've taken sort of a, a unique approach with respect to um, our long-term plans, and it, it started, um, I'd say, probably uh, seven or eight years ago, where there was um, some um, some different thoughts that came through from our shareholder and through our board, and the gist of it was is that we we thought that there was an opportunity in the market to be more than just uh, electric and water utility, a local electric and water utility, and so. Um, the approach we've taken is, is we've really started to uh, to grow the company. We've expanded our footprint from being just in the Sault Ste. Marie area to now we're all across Ontario. Uh, you know, in the process, we've gone through um, some significant growth. We've um, increased our enterprise value significantly for our shareholder, which has been fantastic. Um, but I think we've also uh, sort of put ourselves in a position where, you know, I think we're on the uh, sort of the cutting edge of a number of different activities, whether it's on the on the water side or on the electric side. And I know today we're here to to talk a lot about the electric utility, but there's some really exciting things going on on the water side as well. So so I think from from the perspective of the community here, you know, a long term utility. We've been uh, we've been here for now about 106 years, uh, and we've remained that community minded utility, but we've really reached out beyond those borders and and are having a real impact across the province. Uh,
0: The, uh, another uh, kind of sets of wordings that I've seen in some of the press and the statement that talks about the project, uh, alternative energy capital of North America. Uh, I know there's lots of things going on, different type of generation and the sets of customers uh, that present, I think, unique opportunities for PUC also um be helpful to understand some of those better because those are I think key drivers on on the approach uh, that you have taken to the project.
1: Yeah, they certainly are. So so this area here in Sault Ste. Marie is really unique in that, you know, we've got significant hydroelectric, we've got significant wind. Uh, within our own distribution grid here, we've got over 60 megawatts of solar embedded, some large scale, majority of it large, some small as well. Uh, we've got cogen plants and natural gas plants, and it's a, a really sort of a unique spot uh, that we've got all of these different generation technologies that are present here in this small geographic area. And so, I think um, I think what's happened is 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 we've had to learn how to adapt to to being able to integrate all of those resources and utilize all those resources. Uh, and things like you know connecting 60 megawatts of solar into a distribution that dis- distribution grid that peaks at 120, that's a significant component to our distribution supply, and it's of course fluctuating. And so you know learning how to, to do that I think has been a, um, a unique challenge for PUC, but it's really been a, an opportunity for the community to showcase uh, all of those different alternative energy uh, sources that are available here. And uh, certainly, council uh, has has called themselves the alternative alternative energy capital of Canada, and I don't think there's another community like this, so it's probably an accurate term.
0: Yes. So uh, to follow up on on context, uh, you know, for the audience, uh, I'm going to cite some some statistics that I have, and you know, in my research uh, that give uh, kind of the perspective on the different loads and peak loads that you just talked about. My understanding is that uh, you have like 70 megawatts. Of co-gen, uh, right, and, and seven megawatt of battery storage, and two and seven seventy-two round numbers of wind generation, uh, Lake Superior Power natural gas plant, and, and two hundred three megawatts of hydroelectrics. R- really, that diversity of mix, and, and I think the, the coining the name of Alternative Energy Capital is is not at all unreasonable when when you compare this mix, the diversity, uh, whether it's from renewables, relative to the peak load of the utility.
1: Yeah, agreed. you know, and 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 I think what it's what it's allowed for here is is it's sort of that, you know, that that small petri dish that shows the rest of the province, how to make all of these things work together. And and certainly things like, you know, the SSG project and how we've we've um, sort of pioneered that approach as well, are just in tune with what we've had to do over the last number of years in order to facilitate all of those connections so it's um it's an exciting place to be I mean when you when you see all of those uh, different energy sources and trying to uh, figure out how they they connect and how they supply our distribution system and the, and as you mentioned the large amount of size like over half of our uh, distribution network at times is supplied through solar uh, which you know in relatively short period of time can be turned completely off right and so you know you've got um, some significant systems that you have to have in place that allow you to, to manage that and so i think what we've done is been able to showcase some of those things for the rest of the province and certainly that's an exciting thing for our community
0: yeah you mentioned the ssc project maybe that's a topic for another conversation but i read some some of the news around that quite exciting and in, in terms of size and scale and, and you emphasize around connecting and working with the communities, right? To leverage these projects and, and bring it to the forefront. So important to get the buy-in, right? And, and the support and the endorsement, you know, in order to realize some of these uh, significant investment.
1: Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. I mean, I, we've been very fortunate here that uh, we're, we're owned by the municipality and the municipal shareholder has been uh, really supportive of a lot of the things that uh, that PUC has done. In fact, all the things that PUC has done in in terms of of moving this forward. And so, you know, I think um, things like uh, the smart grid project or SSG don't happen without a shareholder who says, you know, what well, we want you to invest in making this happen, and they understand that there's some risk capital at the at the start in order to to get things put in place. And so. They've um, they've been incredibly supportive, and it is a crucial piece to it. Um, but now that it's been established, I think now it's a part of um, you know our approach. Now is to to take what we've what we've done, what we've seen, what we're seeing in results, and to start to push that out and share it. And you know, again, our our municipalities in favor of helping other communities try to um, you know to put themselves on a more sustainable path as well. And so I think um, you know definitely. Uh, a supportive shareholder is a, a key piece to the puzzle, um, and I think uh, that's one of the reasons why you see PUC where it is.
0: Great, uh, great segue. Now um, let, let's focus uh, the next uh, phase of the conversation around uh, wh- why uh, you're looking to take this transformation. I think focus around some of the justification for the project. Uh, I believe what's driving this is some of the energy saving you're looking at, some reliability, uh, some growth in demand, which we kind of talk about customer satisfaction. So number of touch points on why certainly the project is so important uh, in the vision of your community, the city, uh, and investment, uh, both at the federal and and the provincial level.
1: Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we look at it, I think we're like every other LDC, where we look out at our network and we say, wow, you know what? We'd love to to modernize our grid, um, but look at the dollars it's going to cost to do it, right? And so that's that was us. You know, 10 years ago when the concept sort of was initiated, it was, you know, we've got some significant investments that we know we need to make into our infrastructure here. Um, but how do we do that in a way that doesn't result in you know, our customers' bills doubling, you know, and, and having a significant impact on that. And so the approach here was to get creative, right? And I think that's what you've seen uh, in this project is, is yes, we're going to put uh, some modernization into the grid. We're going to, you know, uh, change our distribution management system. We're going to have a better um, customer-facing OMS. We're going to put automation in places to allow for increased reliability, We're going to do some uh, significant replacement of uh, infrastructure in uh, stations. I think we rehabilitated four stations as part of this project. Um, How do we do it in a way where we don't raise people's bills? Because I think everybody's sensitive to, and rightfully so, but they're sensitive to the cost of of everything these days, never mind just power. And so by pairing, what what we were able to do was in getting creative and putting VVO into the project, we were able to achieve some significant savings coming out of the VVO portion that paid for the majority of the rest of the upgrades. And then by being able to uh, have the federal government come in as a partner with Enercan, it really got us, you know, over the finish line in terms of getting to that sort of no net bill increase commitment that we were uh, starting off with, which was, you know, how do we, how do we do these things without raising our customers' bell? And so, you know, by by combining all the technologies, by getting creative, uh, by leveraging the investment that the federal government made, um, we were able to modernize our grid, rehabilitate a third of our distribution stations, uh, increase customer reliability, see some significant um, provincial carbon savings as a result of the energy savings here in Sault Ste. Marie, and uh, and, and to do that all without increasing the bill, I mean, I, how how fantastic is that? so so I think that was that's really the key piece to it is is how do you get creative, get innovative, put these things together, uh, and come out with an outcome that really achieves you know a, a lot of those uh, important pieces that uh, the members of your community want to see.
0: right. I've seen in in the number of your presentation about the project and and uh, how uh, you are in some way very specific about defining what is SMART what mean for pay usage. And I think that's an important point for context here. Every utility will be at a different stage of their journey, right? And and their business objective, their leadership, their vision, and ultimately, certainly the funding or the organizational capability to, to execute and deliver. I mean, it, it's uh, not for the faint of heart. When you go out and ask for money or funding, uh, right at that scale and and go and execute so uh i believe you were very clear you know in some of the wording that you've used here and in and, in and, and your presentation around what it really means and focusing around uh your customers right the satisfaction and and not realizing certainly any increase um in in their bill in order to support this activity
1: yeah you know i think I think that was a key for for our board and our shareholder certainly as a utility we're sensitive to the fact that you know we've got you know hundreds of millions of dollars of replacement value of assets that are are coming of age quickly and and we need to do some significant things and so by able by being able to do a large portion of it with this project and this was a 34 million dollar project by being able to leverage that uh, and to, to be able to, you know, get, get some funding, to be able to see that very, very significant energy savings, like when you can take 2.7% off of everybody's energy consumption, and then reemploy those dollars into the, um, you know, upgrading of the grid, then you end up with, you know, a very significant project that allows us to do a lot of the things we need to do to get an ADMS in place, to get an OMS in place, to have you know, um, self-healing automation into our uh, distribution system to help increase reliability. To be able to do all of that without really having to to ask our customers to uh, uh, to dig into their pockets, I think, has been a real achievement. And, and this is the model, right? We've now shown that, you know, that energy savings is real. We've seen it in our initial data uh, that we'll hit the 2.7% and then some. And so I think what we're seeing here is, is that this this model works and this is something that other communities can now try to leverage as well. Uh,
0: I think let me just take a brief moment to reflect on on this project and the the scope of activities you have. Uh, you may be aware south of the board in the US, right? Uh, billions of dollars are going through the whole smart grid funding, the grip program. So when you talk about multi-million dollars, I think those project is at the very least out of the gate 20 million dollar plus. So there are utilities now successfully forming, uh, what I would say the business case and, and the collaboration with the industry vendors, suppliers and stakeholder and pursuing uh, these uh, type of funding at that scale to modernize their grid and the objective they're looking at. Uh, given our footprint of 400 plus customer across the US, we see really a wide ranging approach. And uh, some have certainly asked, uh, you know, to, to get access to some of the understanding how Sault Ste. Marie ha- have been successful in doing this. So quite interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, while you uh, maybe talk about the funding, uh, I I think sometimes navigating the funding <laughs> journey is, is, uh, has a life on its own. Can you share some perspective around that? I know there were multiple rounds between the federal and, and the provincial side. It'll, it'll be good perspective, I think, for the entire LDCs and and utilities across Canada to pursue these type of funding vehicle as they come up.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, the 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 federal government, of course, uh, contributed twenty five percent of the project through the uh, Intercan Fund. They had a. Uh, as much as eleven point eight million was uh, was offered. Uh, the project itself came in uh, less than needing the eleven point eight so I think we we leveraged uh, just under eight. Um, but it was it was a, a real shot in the arm to the project in terms of getting us to the finish line. Uh, provincially the funding of course is done through uh, the Ontario Energy Board, and we had to go in and and um, really demonstrate to the to the board that, this project was viable. It made sense that the assumptions we were using on things like energy savings, uh, on things like reliability benefits, uh, were real. And because it's the first of its kind, uh, we can't rely on what someone else down the road did. We had to actually demonstrate it from scratch. So we pulled studies that were done all across North America uh, and came up with uh, a large data set that we could share on how VVO had been implemented on smaller scales. Um, and then, you know, we, we um, really took a, took a really good run at, at the OEB, it took, a, it took two tries. We went in the first time and I think the um, uh, the lesson learned on that one was, you know, we got a lot of really good feedback in terms of here's some things we think you can do to strengthen the the project. Uh, and we went back, we did it, we listened to them, we actually um, took the feedback, incorporated it into round two, uh, went back for the second round of, um, uh, of the um, ICM, which is the uh, capital module that's used to, in this sort of thing. And, um, and we were able to demonstrate that um, we had put those thoughts in and we had come up with the outcomes that they really wanted to see. Uh, and certainly the no net bill increase was a key part of that. Um, you know, a lot of the interest groups that are in in those sort of hearings are representatives of vulnerable customers or um, different um, uh, consumer classes, and to be able to to demonstrate that look this project's going to achieve a lot of the things that are going to benefit your customers, but we're not asking them to dig into their pocket was a huge uh, huge part of that. So, so I think I I think it was a complicated process. I think it was. Made complicated by the fact that it was the first of its kind in in Canada. Uh, And uh, we were integrating technologies that hadn't really been done this way before. Uh, And so we had to do a lot of work. We did it. And kudos to the team for putting all that together and uh, and being able to, to demonstrate that we could do it. And then for turning around and now through the implementation, demonstrating that we did do it. And I, I think that's been a, a huge piece in terms of the success here in the zoo.
0: Yeah. I think your journey through the entire process between the federal and the O B, you can write a business case for the MBA school <laughs> at some point in time. <laughs> uh, but to your point, VVO uh, is not in operation in this province anywhere. as I understand it. Right. So yeah. there are a lot of firsts here to your point there, uh, utility industry first. It's not generally known for for our industry to jump in uh so uh it's great that puc is, is taking this forward so i think that now that's a good um, way uh to get into the project activity so let's talk about the project right now funding why you did it what is it for the customer uh would welcome certainly the conversation around the project when you have the money you got the, the ecosystem of, of uh, vendors in place uh, going through the project, and I think now we're going live, and you start to see some of the initial results. Uh, that journey also itself through the COVID period, right? That that was also challenging. Well, Welcome that. I, I think that most thing was stacked against this project to start with, <laughs> right? And coming being successful, I think is is amazing.
1: Yeah, well, well, certainly. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's uh, it, we we do look at it as quite a journey. Um, and i think at the end of the day here you know quite a success for puc and for the city um you know the one the one thing i think was really important to us when we set out on this was you know if you look at traditional utility investments we we do this sort of okay we're going to upgrade the network we're going to do it over 10 or 15 years we're going to spread the the capex over that period of time and and so the issue with this one for us was is that if we're implementing VVO and we're implementing it over a 10-year horizon, then we're, the people that get it in year 10 have been paying for it for the previous nine and they haven't had the benefit of it. And so we sort of took on this, like, what's the fair the fair approach on this one? And, and so the, in fairness, what we wanted to do was to do it all at once. And the o- only way to make that happen was to go through those approval processes, to get the funding in place, but also to get in place... A, a significant partnership network or partner network. And so, you know, we had to have groups that we could count on to deliver in a fairly tight time frame, And what turned out to be a really challenging time frame with all the things that happened. Um, and we couldn't, we couldn't be like developing, or we couldn't, we needed to have stuff that was ready to go. And so, you know, I think one of the things that we set out to do was, is let's, let's build that partner network. Let's get some, uh tried and true partners in this uh we you know obviously with respect to surveillance it was a big part of our our software side on the ADMS and on the VBO and all the the sort of back-end integration on the OMS and how everything is integrated in, into our um our SCADA and and then uh, on a on an EPC front finding Black and Beach, which was experienced in doing some of these things across North America and was able to bring and leverage some of that experience into the project you know, then we could we could set forth with sort of some known commodities that we knew could execute on what um, we needed to get done, and to do it in a time frame that was fair, with respect to our customers and and, and to the funding model. And, and of course, you know, COVID threw a few wrenches into that. Uh, you know, you see some cost escalations coming out of COVID. We were able to manage all of that because we had a solid partner network that we could deal with. And I think that's a big key to this is. When you tackle some of these things, you really need to build that network um, because we're not experts in building brand new systems from uh, technologies that we haven't previously used. We need those experts to come in and work with us and in the process, teach us how to run it, manage it and implement it going forward. So um, so I think that was a real key piece for us was to, to, to get that partner network in place.
0: Can you touch on um, the... Uh... PUC organization. I assume this is uh, right from the start, right? The vision, the leadership, the city, the funding. Oh my, now we asked for it right now. How are we going to go? But internally, what uh, kind of uh, change management, um, I think people must be excited to see this investment going into the utility, into the network model, to your point, the infrastructure, the upgrade, so that the system is prepared You know, for the next couple, several decades. Uh, of disruption uh, welcome to see that insight because in some way when when utilities and I have conversation with uh, with CTO CEO about the grid modernization, Number of time we focus on technology right and to your point the vendor the ecosystem, but internally the change management and and accepting that you know that call, you know, uh, to, to proceed welcome the perspective that you have.
1: Yeah, so I think. Um... I think I'm quite fortunate here at Suzanne Ste. Suzanne Maria and, and at PUC in that we um, we've got some really keen folks and innovative folks who want to bring change here. And so we uh, we were very fortunate that we had a, a core group uh, that had bought into this early, that understood it, that knew uh, it was important to execute it properly and. And um, they have been through, um, you know, sort of through the ringer over the last couple of years, but they've come out with a project that really uh, met all of the things that we hoped to uh, when we started. And so, change management was huge with respect to frontline staff. I mean, we're still going through that, making sure that, you know, when we talk about uh, distribution automation and running flizzer and through the system, that they understand. The change that that causes with respect to switching and all their requirements with respect to protection and control and all all, all that it means to their uh the way that they implement work and so it's changed you know and and i think it's it's changed for the better but there's a process that they have to go through on the front on the front end um, when we look at our engineering group, I mean, there's a whole bunch of happy, excited folks down there because they've got some really neat new toys to, to sort of take out and test drive. And, and they've been doing that for the last couple of years, and they're going to get, continue to do that and optimize the system over the next probably five or 10 years as we get better and better and better at it. Um, but uh, but I, think, you know, I think one of the key things here was a core dedicated group. We had a dedicated uh, board to this that was fully supportive and fully um, behind this from the start. And uh, a shareholder that again was was fully behind it. so we we didn't have any sort of cracks in the uh, the infrastructure here at home uh, that uh, would have you know made getting this to the finish line a challenge. It was really full support all the way through. And um, you know, kudos to the team. I mean, this is uh, you know, a 34 million dollar project. We normally have capex within our distribution company of around eight to 10 million. So you can imagine, not only did we do the eight to 10, we also did the 34 in the same time frame. Um, so very, very significant. Uh, and they got it done, and and it's you know giving us the benefits that we had hoped to see. So it's been executed properly. So, you know, I I I think having that core group of of folks that are happy to challenge the norm uh, has has really paid some dividends for us.
0: I think maybe let's let's pause briefly and and uh, take an inventory of all of the IT and OT changes that the PUC project. Maybe I'll just cite a few that I'm aware of and that we're involved in. And so that for the context of, of the audience, frankly, sometimes people, to your point, take five years just to change EIS. You yeah. have invested in upgrading SCADA, uh, put in an outage management system, put in uh, a DMS that include uh, a self-healing grid in Flizzard, in right put in the the power flow model uh, getting VVO running uh, DVR at least on the OT side some of the pieces that you have and you upgrade I think some your GIS network and getting all that ready um, then on the hardware side I think substation investment upgrade upgraded transformer um, maybe there are more things maybe I'm, am I missing something but man that's that's a lot of of uh, context and technology being put in, in in one short period of modernizing the grid.
1: Yeah. You know, in, in addition to the things you mentioned, we also had to, you know, build a communication network out to all of these new smart devices. So dedicated LTE system that we that we now have um, to, to connect everything and and then figuring out uh, now that we have all of these things, how are we going to manage it? Right. And so bringing that in and and, um, you know, we've. We've added some staff. We've added some staff on the IT side. We've added some staff on the engineering side to really help this thing through. And uh, and so there's been some significant additions there. But, you know, in addition to what you mentioned, I mean, I, I think our server rooms expanded by, you know, 20 or 30 percent in terms of the number of servers in there. Um, so there's been some significant IT upgrades. Um, there has been some significant investment with respect to information security because now, of course, we've got all these new smart devices out there. We've got new access points those all had to be secured and go through a process. I I think there's a whole lot of things that happened in a couple of years. Uh, And, you know, again, it's, it's been an exciting time. It's been a busy time for us and it'll continue to be busy for a while as we really try to leverage and get the most out of this. Um, But, uh, but it's just an absolute transformation of almost every aspect uh, of how we operate our grid. And so, um, you know, fantastic time, but uh, certainly uh, exciting for some folks and, a lot of change and nerves for other ones, but I think we got everybody on board and everybody's uh, swimming in the same lane moving forward. So it's been, it's been an exciting time.
0: Great. I think maybe perhaps we can move into some closing thoughts here. So you had a a, uh, very important visitor uh, recently, right? Probably uh, going by and check to see how the the investment of the funding is working and maybe you can share some perspective around what advice, you know, how the check signer and, you know, we're (laughs) providing, you know, about moving forward. And uh, I I read the press release, very exciting and the encouragement words, uh, but also uh, some of your closing thoughts to share with whether utility peers in the province, uh, just distribution utility in general, but also uh, the stakeholders, right, regulators, Uh, please welcome to share you know your opinion and and thoughts on that simply to help move uh the process the opportunity and enabling these kind of projects going forward
1: yeah thanks young I'll, i'll i'll start with the visit it was uh you know i i assume you're talking about the prime minister and not the kids we had here that day because that was take your kid to work day which was also a pretty exciting day i'll tell you but but um, yeah, certainly. Hey, uh, that's the
0: newer generation, right? They will run the grid someday, so maybe they will remember when they're ready to <laughs> to join the the utility. But yes, the the prime minister.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so we had um, we had uh, outreach from uh, from the prime minister's office that they were interested in coming to visit uh, PUC to look at uh, all the exciting things that were going on as part of the project and, and some other things we were doing and. You know, it happened to coincide with Take Your Kid to Work Day, so we had um, about eighty-five kids in the building when the Prime Minister was here. And you know, he um, credit to him. I mean, he was he was in the building here for close to three hours. He took uh, almost an hour of that to go around and meet every uh, every kid and every employee and get a picture with them uh, and to have a, and to have a chat with them. And it was, you know, uh, I think that says a lot about about him as a person uh, that he would feel that that was important because these are these are things that he probably sees every day but our employees our kids uh we don't see a prime minister very often you know and so this is probably a once in a lifetime thing and he's now made some some significant memories here so um you know i i I think it speaks to what i was saying earlier about this being a model uh this project really is one that um i think the federal government will now, and I think they've announced some now funding, but that will now start to promote as here's a way to uh, accomplish some grid modernization. Let's see some carbon savings coming out of this. Let's get those grid insights that of course having an intelligent network gives us. So when we wanna put more EVs and more DERs into our system, we've got now the technology in play that allows us to do that. And you know, one of the comments from him that I found really interesting was as we'd gone for a tour and, and explained, uh, the project, explained what PUC has on the go. He just said, wow, this is really exciting stuff. Uh, just keep doing it. Uh, and, uh, his advice was really just, just keep at it, keep going. This is great. And so that's something I shared with my team. Uh, and I think, um, I think it reflects well on the, on PUC. Um, so, so I think from our perspective, I mean, wow, what a, its the first time that a prime minister has ever visited PUC that we're aware of. Uh, I haven't heard of the prime minister visiting many LDCs in the province, so it was really uh, an accomplishment for us for the city, uh, and I think it showcased this project really well. Um, I think the next steps on the project uh, for us really now are let's get some data. Uh, we're, we're getting the initial data. We're seeing that we're seeing the savings. We're starting to to get the uh, full rollout on the DA. We'll start to see the reliability uh, benefits as well. and then let's let's get that data out, share it publicly and and let people help build their rate cases if they need to or to demonstrate to their stakeholders why them taking on a project similar to this makes a lot of sense. Um, and so I think for us that's probably the the, the next phase is is, let's get this get this completely optimized for now Uh, we'll have continual optimization going for years to come but let's get some stuff in place now let's get some initial data that we can share Uh, and I think we'll probably have some data that we can share early in the new year uh, which is going to be exciting for other LDCs in the province um, when they go in and try to to have a rate case on the same thing so um, so yeah that's it was, it was certainly exciting to have in the prime minister, but uh, I, I think to be told that, hey, you're on the right track, keep going, was pretty exciting as well.
0: If you were to pick one priority or one thing that you believe was important uh, to the key success, maybe reaching this stage and the ability to, to execute, what, what would you share with our audience?
1: The one key priority, I guess, for us would be just creating alignment, whether it's you know your shareholder, your board, your executive team, your partner network. Getting everybody aligned uh, is how you get a project like this on this scale uh, done successfully. Uh, and so, you know, for a project that you know from its initial thoughts and vision uh, to execution took almost a decade. Um, you need to have that consistency, right? You can't have any cracks in that. And so. I think that was key, uh, key for us. Um, and then it also shows when you have that alignment and then you go through something like COVID or you go through some of the supply chain challenges that were a result of COVID, um, you know, that network is there, it's solid uh, and it, it, it uh, you know, can turn on a dime and keep going. And so that's what happened here. And I think, um, again, I, I think creating that alignment is key. And I think the, the piece that we did, uh, in addition to just you know shareholder and board and executive team and vendor network and employees, was we actually did some community outreach as well to make sure that the community understood uh, what we were doing, why we were doing it, what their benefits were going to be, uh, and then you get some support for all the change that they're seeing as well.
0: Yes, key point, alignment and certainly the support from the end customer. Great, great closing thoughts. Well, Robert, uh, this has been such an engaging and insightful conversation, even though I, I have uh, spoken on the topic with you, but as we move through this journey, uh, learn uh, you know, some of the great things that make the project possible and so we can share with the community. Uh, as you move into the operational phase, uh, we are really looking forward to catch up with you again uh, in the future to hear about some of the outcomes in the experience and, and share the information, certainly with, with the Ontario LDCs and our existing customer and, and widely. Uh, I would expect that you're in high demand and you know, to share some of these perspective elsewhere. As we wrap up today's episode uh, of Exploring the Utility Podcast, I just wanna extend a huge thank you to Robert Brewer for being with us and taking us through the fascinating journey of the PUC Smart Grid Project. Your insights on the utility vision, organizational leadership, business strategy, and technology innovation have really highlighted the vital role these elements play in shaping the future of our energy system. To our dear listeners, I hope this episode on Canada's first community-wide smart grid system by Sault Marie PUC has enriched your understanding of the unique challenges and opportunities in the utility sector. The knowledge that Robert shared today is not just eye-opening, but also crucial for anyone in the utilities and related fields who are planning, funding, or executing grid monetization projects. We value your thoughts and questions, so feel free to connect with us by email to Utiliverse at follow at Utiliverse on X, and post on X using the hashtag Utiliverse. A big thank you to everyone who tuned in. Until we meet again, keep exploring the vast and ever-changing landscape of the Utiliverse.